0: Oh, okay. You mean you want me to start? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we waste too much of the good stuff, Dara. Hey, what's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast. I'm Taryn Bowen-Biggs, joined as always by Blazer's outsider, Danny Mareng. Danny?
1: Fellow fellow lover of chicken fried steak, as you just told me, uh we got We got to. We got to get this podcast going and wrap it up because uh, you get some chicken fried steak going. I uh, I had mine for lunch. You're you're going for the dinner chicken fried steak. Are you, are you more akin to the late night chicken fried steak or the early midday chicken fried steak?
0: Well, I rarely have chicken fried steak, and what happened is that uh, Mr. Team Mom broke his toe several days ago while mountain biking. Mm-hmm. So. He's been home and he can still cook and that's his favorite thing to do. So he's just been cooking up a storm. And so he made chicken fried steak for dinner tonight with Chanterelle mushroom gravy. And I don't like mushrooms. So he gets all the gravy and I get the chicken fried steak.
1: Oh, the, the, the gravy is kind of.
0: Of course.
1: Uh, are you anti sausage gravy or is that just kind of. a? Oh,
0: no, 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 I like gravy. I just don't like Chanterelle mushrooms
1: okay, gotcha but that's that's completely shocking fair.
0: shocking and disappointing for people but
1: you, I you're, you're breaking hearts out there with your mushroom cakes no <laughs> I uh
0: you know what we're one month away from the beginning of the season and if we have to have mushroom takes to get us there, we will do it Dan We are gonna so, so be it. and do a weekly I, uh, podcast my like my, my like,
1: if I had a spirit food it's chicken fried steak. I, I was telling my fiance about this while we were eating it she she literally looked at me and was like, you look so happy right now. When I eat chicken fried steak, it takes me to a place. That I don't know exactly what it is about it. You know, you, you associate certain foods and certain places with certain memories or something like that. And it's not the best memories, but it was like a a bonding time. Like chicken fried steak was like one of the best foods that I had when I was deployed overseas. Oh, OK. And so like it brings me back to like a time of like, like coming together over like the one good thing that we had mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, every time. Mm hmm. And every time that I eat it, I'm always just like, ah, God, those were awful times. But I remember how good that awful chicken fried steak was in that particular moment. And uh, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I just come back to every single time. It's like, that, that's like if I have a, like a, the, the epitome of comfort food, that is it. Got to have it with the hash browns or the red potatoes. Though. It's got to be one or the other.
0: Oh, I'm having mashed potatoes with mine tonight. That's acceptable. Is that acceptable? Okay, That's good. Acceptable. Phew. Yeah. Then we can move on.
1: <laughs> yes. It's it's a little weird to have the mashed potatoes early in the morning. The the red potato hash browns is kinda of like the the early morning afternoon. Not no I do not I w I I don't I don't think it's too much of a of a of a push though to put the mashed potatoes on, on the early plate.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah, especially if it was leftovers. But anyway Exactly. So <laughs> Monday is the twenty third of September, which marks one month until the opening day of the NBA, and well, the so regular the, season of the regular because season. It, that is correct because
1: training camp starts in a week.
0: Right, I should have said the regular season. We've got the uh, guys are trickling into town. They had their football workout last week, and I can't tell you how many times I've gone back to the Trailblazers t- tweets to see pictures of Nurkic. I am so excited that Nurkic is in town right now. I okay,
1: he. Just got back in a town because I've been asking everybody, when is he coming? When is he coming? When is he coming? Because I wanted to know when he was going to get back and kind of get into things. And yeah. I don't know about you, Tara. He Number one, he's back. He looks Huge. Okay. Did you see the pictures of, of his legs next to Powell? Yes.
0: <laughs> you seem to always be able to, like, measure things just by looking at them. Like, you I'm, know whether or not Anthony Simons has put on pounds and Zach Collins mm-hmm. has or has not put on pounds. And they I'm, just I'm all good look it. like large, large people to me. Mm-hmm. What I like the fact that he was... I'm just so glad that he was in town because I was afraid that he was going to do one of those things where he rehabs elsewhere. and yep. he's just the kind of person I feel like who needs to be with the team and the team will be so glad to have him there. I was just yeah. I'm so happy to see him and I love his beard and I'm the red super beard. excited for him to grow up. Yeah. all, all three of my boys have red beards like that that are just like curly and stick straight out. So I'm su- he basically, except for the fact that he's super tall could <laughs> like is a twin for my youngest. They look so he, much alike. Your seven foot adopted son. Yeah. (laughs) I've, I've adopted many over the years. I've been, I've been a lot of NBA players fake mom that they don't know about. So he's my latest one, I guess. It's okay. Evan Turner still loves you. (laughs) Yeah. I got a response from Evan Turner the other night on Twitter because he was talking about how, um, you know, do you ever just follow someone and then you meet him in person and you're like, oh, I don't really don't want to hang out. And for some reason I was like, oh, my God, what if he I'm not that he'd ever met me in person. Anyway, I digress. Let's talk about basketball, Dan. <laughs> Let's talk about the schedule The we haven't. We, really...
1: we put this off. We put this off because it's one of those things that, you know, you kind of want to know how the team is going to look, what the health is. You know, forecasting against other teams, all that kind of stuff. Get closer to the season. You needed to save that meat. Everybody else did their, their preseason schedule stuff like a month ago when the schedule was dropped. We, uh, we're, we're just getting dollars now because it makes a little bit more sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and the, you know, right when the schedule came out, Eric Griffith wrote a nice article. Sort of um, mining what some of the uh, people on Twitter who make really cool graphs and stuff um, had put together about you know back to backs and strength of schedule and all that stuff. So that was that's kind of hanging out there. Rest so advantage and disadvantage. Yeah. Yep. So let's kind of bring it all together. So what first of all is just sort of like your overall impressions of the schedule this season?
1: Yipe! 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 That That's uh, has running know what in fear. From the first month and a half of the schedule, first 18 games, they have five home games. And I know that means you get them back on the back end. But I think of all the years where we've talked about the Blazers needing to get off to a good start, I think it's incredibly <laughs> dependent on them this year because of so many new faces.
0: Okay, wait. Uh, Can any year be more important than any other year in terms of getting off to... We say this every single season. They need, well, it's, it's really also, important that they get off to a good start this year.
1: Yeah, and like, guess what happened last year, Tara? They did they get off, off to a good start?
0: They did get off to a good
1: start. Where, where'd they end up?
0: They ended up playing very well and finishing yeah. with the best record in the West.
1: And that's why it's important for them because they have so much to kind of go through with so many new bodies and working out that chemistry and finding where the best places like those, those that continuity that we always count on, whether you want to uh, value guys that left appropriately or inappropriately, you liked them, you didn't like them. The one thing you knew, they knew what they were capable of and where they would be on the floor and how they worked off of each other. That's a whole new process now with a lot of people and that's a lot of road games. And some people will say, well, it's good for bonding and all those things. That's great. Awesome. But that's also a lot of pressure on you and a lot of travel and a lot of exhaustion very early in the season. That's going to test them.
0: I would like to add my voice to the chorus of that that it will be good bonding for them. I mean – it. They haven't done, they didn't do their preseason, you know, going away trip like they had done before. Like we talked Mm -hmm. about wondering whether or not they were going to do. But, I mean, nothing's going to get them to know each other, learn each other's rhythms, you know, more than being with each other on a plane. trial
1: by fire. Every other day
0: for the first 30 days of the season.
1: Yeah, because and, and the thing is, it's not just you know that it's only five home games out of the first eighteen. It's the the schedule itself, like the the teams they're playing. It, it's it's brutal. Um, you, you would hope that you would get like a maybe a softer start, as, far as scheduling wise. But then you remember, oh wait, the entire Western Conference is difficult, and so every single night you're going to get tested you're opening up with a team in in the Nuggets who's probably favored to win the West by some people. Um, and then you're
0: already seen Denver twice in the preseason. I am so tired of Denver. You're tired of them already. Exactly. I'm I'm so tired of Denver.
1: But then you, you have a road trip where in years past, you've been like, Oh, Kings Mavericks. Nah, no big deal. Now you're like, yeah, Kings Mavericks. That's, that's a, that's a lot of lot running. Of running. <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of running to start the season, and then you play the Spurs, who everybody tends to forget. That Spurs team took the Nuggets to the brink last year when they were missing half their backcourt. They've got them all back. They, they're going to have Deontay Murray out there. They're they're going to have Lonnie Walker out there. Um, Derek White went out and had a, uh, a nice season for them in the, or the nice uh, tournament for the uh, U.S. team in uh, FIBA. You, you throw out Lamarcus. You throw out DeMar. That's that's a good team. Uh, and that's that's on a back to back, and then the one in there where in the past you'd be like, oh God, you end that trip with the Thunder. Now you're like, well, the Thunder, and you just kind of like, well, what what are they? And so it's 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 a it's a difficult uh, group of games to start the season with.
0: So when I was looking at the beginning of the season, I was also keeping in mind that there's going to be a whole bunch of teams traveling. Uh, For the preseason, there's a lot of international games happening this year preseason. So I went and looked to see which teams were going to be playing in, I think almost, I, I think all the preseason ones are in Asia. There might be one in Paris. No, the one in Paris is during the regular season. So it's Asia for the preseason and then Mexico City and Paris during the regular season. So there's a total of 12 teams that are traveling at for to an international game at some point during the season. The Blazers are not one of them. So that tells me a couple of things. One, the Blazers have got to be due. They're next year, <laughs> they're probably going to go somewhere real far away. <laughs> Cause they You, have you want the international trip? Is that what you want to do? Well I'm not sure that I want one, but like you gotta think that they rotate. Like they're not going to just have the same teams do the international trips. They've got to spread it out because that's got to be, you know, um a big deal to travel that far and then come back it's got to put you at some kind of a disadvantage when you come back and that was the other thing that i was looking at it was like are the blazers playing any of those teams who are traveling in any plate part of the season where they may catch a little bit of a break because of the travel of the other team
1: and you came up with
0: no (laughs) although no that's not true um uh the one (laughs) The answer is still no, because the one team is Phoenix. Uh, we'll be playing in Mexico on December fourteenth, and then the Trailblazers are playing them on December sixteenth. So, and that's that's an exactly a uh, I know a that's the a Suns. it's Phoenix, and B it's like not that far away. So it's like LA going to Tijuana for a game. Like, I know. I thought I was being so clever. I was like, okay, there's going to be all these, and like, no, not not any advantage. So, uh, but I think that's interesting that twelve teams, like practically half of the league, is traveling at some point um, to. The Blazers aren't going to benefit at all. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. But so, um, yeah. Opening quarter of the season, what
1: what's what's your take on how things look for the Blazers? And I know you're you're pro bonding and such, but the first twenty games, the only teams they play that weren't playoff teams last year are the Bulls, the Cavs, uh, the Hawks, the Nets, and I believe it was the Mavs and Kings. Of those teams, only the Bulls are a team that you would like, eh, they're still a little ways away. The Kings certainly are getting better. The Mavericks certainly getting better. The Pelicans are different, but I would argue as a team and having all of the AD stuff gone makes them a, a, a more focused team, even if they are very young but i mean they're in the nets i mean sure you you've got you know world be crazy and uh kyrie out there but talent Dan, wise they're
0: I'm, he's, not, I'm, he's, I'm not a big kyrie irving fan but i'm not gonna he's cuckoo, he's cuckoo now we're just going to go with that he <laughs> he, beats, he um travels to his own drum um and i don't think that he is that threatening of a player to portland My, Ooh. I don't. I just. I just. Spicy. Well, I don't. Do you think okay. that he? Do you think that he's a difficult matchup for Portland I, with his new I th- team? I
1: mean, I think that the Nets are going to be a very good team even without KD. So it, it's. I, I think a, a team with Kyrie, Dinwiddie, Lavert, Joe Harris, Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. Um, that's that's a team that's capable of doing some things. Well, see, uh, I like
0: the fact that they're getting off to. A tough start they're playing all difficult teams they're all teams that they have to pay attention to they're all games that they have to pay attention to so there won't be a chance for them to you know lose focus yeah Yeah. and so i mean like we always say it's important that they come out strong you know the other side of this like you mentioned before is that at the end Boy, does you know, it soften up. They will have gone through the toughest part of their schedule. So their challenge at the end is going to be to keep that same focus so that they can, you know, play for good seating if they're going to make it into the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at the back end of the schedule, they've got a six-game homestand, I think, and then a four-game homestand with a home-and-home with the Warriors and Clippers in the season. But, I mean, the months months of February and March are about as kind to the team as humanly possible.
0: So, one of the things that I also noticed in November and in January, in November, they have 15 games in 27 days. Uh-huh. A lot of them on the road, if not most. I think most of them on the road. Yeah. And, and then, then in January, flipping. it's 15 games in 30 days. So I feel like the pace of the schedule is much brisker this year. And then the yep. other thing is that they – remember they had that really weird like gap last season where they had like one or two games. The four in days off. Ten, ten days. Yeah. Or, like all around the, um, the all-star break. That's not happening this year. They are just nope. like – on a freight train <laughs> to get through this season. There aren't any big, um, you know, there aren't any big gaps. So we got to really hope that they stay healthy because they're not going to have that like, Oh, we're, they're going to have that little break where, I mean, cause the all-star break doesn't even, isn't even that big. No,
1: it's not a lot of time for guys to get right. Who were nicked up. I'm glad you brought up January though, because January was the one that jumped out to me in all those games there's only one back to back in the entire month.
0: Well, they the ended the month too.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for, for January. So, I mean, you've got the, obviously the 31st going into the first in the, into January, February, but in the month of January, you only have the one back to back. Other than that, you, they are literally playing every other night. That's, that's insane. That's, that's a lot to deal with. Uh, Typically, that's a time of year where in the past they've struggled a little bit. There's there's certainly the exceptions where they've they've started to to kind of heat up there a little bit and then go into the all-star break and go nuts. But I think that um, part of the schedule is going to be crucial for them going into the all-star break to set themselves up for that run that they've had now for the past four years.
0: When you look at that schedule leading up to the all-star break, you know Mm -hmm. what we've been hearing is that – they're talking about Nurkic coming back in February. Do you see a part of the schedule that you think might be um, a good time for someone who's needs to get eased back in, but also develop back to their former capacity quickly? Um, honestly,
1: I, I think the, the big part is that post-All-Star break when he comes back. Cause you go to the All-Star break on the 12th, um, and you have three games at home against the Pelicans, Pistons, and Celtics.
0: So you don't think that he'll play at all, right? Because they they have away games leading right up to the All-Star break. So you don't think that he'll play any before the All-Star break? I I bet you he starts traveling with the team about then.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Going through some workouts with the team, getting in some 5v5, going through a little bit of walkthroughs, things of that nature. Um, I, I fully expect him to be back in practice with the team. Uh, first week or two of February. And then I think he goes on the road, and then I think they come home, and they put him through a full practice, see how he responds. And then um, that homestand, I mean, what's a better time to, to reintroduce him?
0: Right, New um, but, you Orleans, know, Detroit, and Boston, and then he can go up against Ennis Cantor.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I mean, That'd the storyline just. Storyline
0: adds up, and I
1: don't expect Nurk to play more than 10, 12, 15 minutes for probably the first couple weeks that he's back, but I think that's a very, very good place to start looking at it because you're looking at teams where I think he could get some minutes um, with matchups. I mean, going up against Blake Griffin and Andre uh, Drummond for the Pistons certainly makes sense. You've got Enes Kanter for the Celtics. Um, So I I think you're going to see a little bit more traditional bigs in a sense where he can not have to rely on everything being, you know, Locked in, having uh, all
0: his reflexes back and yeah. his conditioning back. And
1: mm-hmm. so, when I look at that, that's kind of where I would expect him to be um, utilized a little bit more uh, as far as being worked into things. So, um, but I tell you what, we were talking about beforehand, it was. Pretty damn awesome to see the Trailblazers uh, social media feed. And you get to see all the guys. Everybody's in town. Everybody's working. And we mean everybody because Yusuf Nurkic is out there working out with the team. And that was just – after all summer, not be, really being able to see him because he's been away. He's been, been home. Um, it, it's pretty badass to see that the big man back in town.
0: Oh, so good to see him back. I'm so happy about that. Well, so with the schedule, do you – did you – would you pencil in for wins? Are you ready to talk? Are we ready to talk yeah, about yeah. This yet?
1: You, you know I've already done it a dozen times and then some.
0: Okay. Beardcock, uh, well, you ran your simulations, or did you? Do you ever just do the like pencil I, in I, the market? I do, I do the pencils, and I also run behind it. Uh, the first time I I
1: did just pick them, not back to backs, not um, home just, road, like, not feeling- straight head to head pick them. Uh, I landed at forty nine,
0: oh, and okay. then I. Wow.
1: Then I I started picking, going through home and home or home road, uh, rest advantage, disadvantage, that kind of stuff. And uh, I I landed at 46. So I was, uh, some games uh, that I had wins went losses, and some games that I had losses went wins. So it kind of went back and forth. Uh, I think for the first time in the Damian Lillard era, we have Vegas uh, having the number about right 46.5. Mine came out. when I actually ran everything on, on my build out, I came up with 47.2 wins. Wow. So, um, 47 is kind of the number that I've been sticking to that. That's, that's, I think that's the expectation. Uh, is 47. What about you?
0: Well, last year, my pencil was extremely pessimistic. And what was your win total? Last? Well, I had, I had two, I had 36 or 46 and I was, they blew past those. And so this year, my pencil was still very optimistic. So uh, when I when I did the initial gut reaction, I I got fifty four. So hmm. I'm thinking like fifty one or fifty two. Wow. I well, I think the blaze. I mean, even though it's only a couple of games, I think they are helped by the fact that they only play the Clippers and the Lakers and the Spurs three times. They also and you're getting the Grizzlies. Clippers early. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh,
1: Paul George isn't going to be ready for probably the first 60 days of the season. So I had them
0: penciled in a lot of those wins early. Mm, okay. And then the other one that I do and I could and I, I'm not going to qualify it. I always have them running <laughs> against Utah.
1: Oh, see now that's that that was honestly the hardest team for me to pick this year.
0: Blazers beat they, Utah.
1: They, they do, but you know who they lost to a lot?
0: Con- the Memphis, <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies and Mike Conley. And I was just like, ugh. Yeah, that doesn't
1: move, that move. It, it, uh, 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 when you talk about moves that when they're directed at an opponent, the Jazz know they need to, to knock off Denver and Portland in a division.
0: Yeah. that's personal.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're talking about the guy who's Damian Lillard kryptonite. And I bet you Jamal Murray hates seeing Mike Conley on the schedule too. Yeah. Uh, and pair Conley with Mitchell. And it's like, ugh. That's that's a long night of work for Damon CJ. Yeah, I mean, but those, those the, guys.
0: But isn't it in exactly in those situations where these extra shooters are supposed to be the be- the benefit?
1: That's the hope. That's the hope, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Utah did the same thing. They, you know, they instead of having three non-shooters on the floor like they've done. I mean, that Portland. That sounds pretty familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Utah went out and added Bojan Bogdanovich. I mean, they they. Um, get a little bit more flexible. Uh, they, people may not think this about Mike Conley. Mike Conley is a significant upgrade shooting-wise. I mean, he's a mm-hmm. significant up, upgrade in general over uh, Ricky Rubio. I like Rubio as a player, but I, I think Conley is about as perfect a fit as you can find to fit a particular style of ja- of, of basketball that Jazz want to play. Mm-hmm. So it's... it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I think I had the Jazz winning that series three one. If I'm going off, if I'm I'm going off memory now, uh, but I never had it. I don't think I ever had it more than two two for Portland, and all the ones I did. I just I think that the addition of Conley is going to be enough in the regular season for sure um, to swing uh, things Utah's way.
0: I just want to see Damien climb Mount Gobert again. Again. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> again. <laughs>
1: yeah, for, for the reminders of that, because I remember we had Anthony on the show, and I told Anthony that Dame had gotten him twice in his career, and the look on Anthony's face, like, "Wait, what?" No, <laughs> it was pretty nuts because I'm I'm sure Anthony's seen Rudy up close and personal, and and the tape on him, and like, "Wow, somebody somebody got Rudy." So uh, I I want Dame to pass the torch, and I and I want Anthony to get Rudy this year. That's that's the one that I'm looking for.
0: Did you see in the football pictures? there was one of Anthony that I couldn't you couldn't see the ground so you can't see how high up he was, but there was one picture where I was like, that dude is way high in the air catching <laughs> that basketball or catching that football.
1: I, I can neither confirm nor deny, but I, I, I would uh, say with strong belief, that uh the guy that Anthony wants to dunk on the most in the league is Rudy. So um, maybe he's working on the bunnies, you know, getting ready, uh, knowing he's gotta have to, have to have to be ready for, for the big stifle tower.
0: They know that team mom expects wins against Utah. So There you go. That's so, that's
1: so speaking into existence, you know, yes. the uh, season of CJ and the uh victorious season over the Jazz.
0: Okay. I I I'll do everything I can um one last question about the the schedule sort of related um really more about predictions you know 538 comes out with their predictions and um last year with the blazers they predicted them winning 39 games with a 37% chance of making it into the playoffs this year they're projecting them to go 41 and 41 with again a 37% chance to make the playoffs what do you think of that
1: i think the big thing is is that Guys like Dame and CJ certainly certainly carry their weight analytically, but the Blazers have, and this is not some Homer thing. They've just gotten more out of guys than all, all the projections out there, whether it's 538 or anybody else. Um, the Blazers do a better job of turning one man's trash into another man's treasure uh, better than anybody else. And I, I, I think we we've literally reached that point where that's not like hyperbole. They, Underachievers that,
0: into overachievers. they
1: do. And they and so it's and all of the people I've talked to, Kevin Pelton, uh, a couple other folks that, that, that do this for for teams and, and kind of looking behind the scenes. Uh, every single person I've ever talked to says every single model underestimates the Blazers. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has to do with the inconsistencies of the role players that they bring in in their careers. Like if you look at all the advanced numbers from Mo Harkless and Alfredo Camino before they got to Portland, they were not good. Mm -hmm. And then in Portland, they weren't great, but they were better. But I think the Portland got more out of them because of their unique team makeup uh, and the impact of their game plan because of how they fit. Mm -hmm. Um, They may not be the, the best cogs, but they're the ones that fit the best. Um, for those particular situations, and they get the job done. And so those projections, you don't have a Paul George and a Kawhi Leonard um, pushing these absurd analytics numbers all the way out. And then you, you get a guy like Montrezl Harrell and Lou Williams who have also absurd numbers. And you start making—that's what pushes these projections out—is you've got these guys that have outstanding numbers, but they haven't been together. Uh, they don't, and they have uh, different relationships and how they're going to work back and forth. But on paper, it looks fantastic.
0: Yeah. I got to think that those projections this year are going to be as inaccurate as they've ever been, <laughs> just based yeah. on like what you're talking about. Like, you know, they don't have a number yet to put, or they don't have a way yet of accounting for chemistry. And I think that no. the more time goes by, the more we realize that like that's actually a thing. You, you just sorry you can't measure it. At least we haven't figured out how to do it yet.
1: There, there, there are people trying, hundred percent. There are. and teams employ them.
0: Well, <laughs> so. and I, I do know that they were. Uh, they've been working on a stat for luck, which I'm pretty mm-hmm. excited to see that they've made some uh, made some progress on. But I want to move on to a couple of things that the, the NBA was pretty busy this week. They had their annual governor's meeting or one of their annual – one of their governor's meetings. And they passed a couple of new – I guess I don't know if they're resolutions or whatever. But
1: a few – Otherwise new known as the rain everything in because people are losing their minds meeting.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so one of the things that they talked about was uh, tampering. Mm-hmm. You know, because of this offseason, although I can't believe anybody was actually surprised by what happened this offseason. They had to have. I, I, I have to imagine that they've been working on these proposals for at least a couple of years because it wasn't like suddenly night, you know, the summer of 2019 happened. and Everyone's like, oh, my God, we got to do something about it. I mean, it's been building up. Yeah. So uh, they are going to make um, uh, tougher consequences for people who get caught tampering. They're. Uh, the fines are going to go way up. They've also talked about, um, and these are from Woj's tweets: suspending executives, taking away draft picks, voiding contracts. All of these provisions are on the table. So, how far they ultimately end up going has not been determined. But I do believe that they agreed on the fines going up. And um, one of what do you think about? the direction that they've gone with this. Do you think, do you think it will be effective?
1: Uh, effective at turning GMs, agents and other go-betweens into like CIA level super sleuths. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. They're just not going to text anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, you may see Mark Cuban, in cyber dust come back to life and, you know, have your messages disappear after a certain amount of time, self-destruct, all that kind of stuff, mission impossible. But the, will it stop him though? Because here's the thing. Even if you get caught and it's just a fine, find me an owner in this league that's not willing to pay $10 million to add Paul George to your team.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because if, if you find that owner, he should be stripped of his team immediately.
0: One thing that I was thinking about, and I'm sure that there's probably – anyway, one thing that I was thinking about was what if your fine was added to your payroll? Salary cap? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if it, Do you if think it, that would deter people a little bit more? Yeah, if you, if you put it on like the next year's calendar,
1: yeah. Because
0: ten million dollar fine, we're adding that to your salary cap now. Deal yeah, with it, that
1: that would be, oof. Because he seems you know build out years at a time, like you said. Uh, all of a sudden, ten million dollars with a cap space isn't there. That'd be a hit. A team would much much more likely give up the ten million dollars in cash as opposed to the salary cap.
0: That's what I was, that's why I was thinking it might be more of a deterrent, but I think one of the unintended consequences would be that the players who make less money would be the ones who would suffer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the thing about all this is, is the more I look at it, the more I'm just, like, it's still going to happen. And what's going to happen when, you know, a month into the free agency, you figure this out. And this guy who signed this $25 million a year deal gets his deal voided and that team can no longer go after that guy. That player is now stuck out there and there's no team left with $25 million in cap space. Do you just undo all of free agency? I'm like, oh, wait, we got to start over.
0: Untangle the entire thing.
1: Yeah, and it's just like, that's that's not going to work. Um, it's it's a really, really interesting web that they're trying to kind of dance around without getting caught uh, I think it's the right thing to do in a sense because they, whether people want to believe it or not, the league operates better when there is some sort of believed level playing field. and Everybody knows that it doesn't actually exist, but the perception of it has to exist. Otherwise, you, you get markets that get disinterested. Um, so this is, I think, a big step towards that. Uh, and trying to snuff out some of the stuff, you know, with free agents uh, negotiating on the side.
0: Mm-hmm. Another thing I thought was interesting about it was that it was a unanimous vote. Are are these votes usually unanimous? Like, are the are, is this the type of governing board where they're like, we're all we're all in or we're not? It seems like it's been like that. They don't like to like argue because also it becomes clear like who's saying no and mm-hmm. they don't. Call for a vote unless
1: the votes are there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's the to
0: pass or for it to be unanimous because
1: to pass for sure. They had it happen once, I believe in 2014 where it was kind of iffy and then it ended up not passing. So now it goes public that you're not able to get everybody online. And so that's a little, that's a little risky. Um, I think as long as it passes, I don't think it ever gets to the point of like, Oh, who, who voted what way? You know what I mean? I think everybody just kind of lets it go uh, as long as the resolution passes. So Uh, it's, I w I want it to be more. Uh, I want, uh, I want both, uh, player, uh, movement and player agency and being able to decide where you want to go. But I also want fans and teams to be rewarded for doing things the right way. Uh, I believe it was Lowe's article. He had a GM that said, yeah, I'll follow the rules until I find out somebody else isn't. And, and that's ultimately what I think is going to end up happening because I'm a pessimist.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they, they always they always find new ways to circumvent the rules. I mean, Daryl Morey in,
1: in the, the Nene contract where they were trying to put it together to have something that, that will be of, of value that will allow them to trade for Andre Godala. I mean, if you're not cheating, you ain't trying. I mean, I, I, I get that. So, uh, again, the pessimist in me says, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But it would, be, uh, it would be nice to see um, the playing fields leveled, at least in the public's eye
0: yeah we'll see what happens the first time they confiscate someone's phones <laughs> oh I bet
1: you people even even when you know that like you have let's say you're a two phone kind of person uh, you get you got your your burner every now and then someone that's supposed to go in the burner goes on the regular phone or for let, let's put this uh, in, a, in a putting less less creepy uh, the burner phone is now your work phone your home phone and your work phone like if you've been issued a cell phone from work you know the rules. Don't do anything stupid on it. How many times have have people done something stupid on their work phone even though they're not supposed to? That's a a long list. Uh, Even these GMs who are going to have – I bet you early on in the season they follow all the rules. Stick to it. I's dotted, T's crossed, no going outside the lines, all that stuff. And then turns out they hear that they're uh, a top-tier free agent or a top-tier player wants out somewhere.
0: Yeah, and then suddenly Giannis Uh, uh, frowned one day after a game, and then just everything goes right out the window.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So um, I like the idea in principle you know, is the execution going to matter?
0: Yeah, we shall see. Well, a couple more quick things that they discussed that the NBA was up to this weekend. Um, One is that the teams are now going to have to submit their roster 30 minutes prior to the start of the game. For you, Doc Rivers, um, in, in Portland, we you know know this as the C.J. McCollum rule, but this rule was probably really made actually for gambling purposes. Is that a correct hundred
1: percent? Hundred percent. Why is it that we know the refs that are going to be on the the roster at eight o'clock in the morning, and we don't know the players until ten minutes before?
0: Well, but the, also the thing is, is as you understand it, like how much flexibility is there like is that going to give them enough time like to come up and warm come out warm up and then if they can't go then scratch them or like how does that work if a player is like testing something out do you think teams like will leave them off of leave them on the roster but i guess i guess i don't know it's not
1: you get to the gym 10 minutes earlier and you go through your your warm up a little bit earlier, and then you, you know a little bit earlier if a guy can go.
0: Okay, so it's not
1: a big deal for a team. No, well. these guys yeah, are gonna know pretty.
0: They pretty much pretty know well,
1: anyway. yeah. And some of the pushback might be, well, we want to warm a guy up and then not, not have him sit down. Like, I, I okay, I get that, but. The the league as a whole is moving towards more transparency because they are about to go probably public with some big, you know, overriding app service that they're going to bundle with some gambling site or some fantasy site. And it's going to be worth millions, maybe billions of dollars. And so they have to have the transparency necessary. And getting a guy warmed up a little bit earlier is just not something that's going to impact them.
0: All right. Well, one more uh, rule type related thing. Another thing that they did is they came out with some clarification about traveling in that they actually defined gathering in the rules now. So gathering (laughs) is like when you, once you, when you're dribbling and you're going to take a shot or if you're not dribbling gathering is when you have the ball fully under your control. They're defining what that actually. Yeah,
1: Well, they kind of defined it. And as with all rules, uh, go ahead and check back with me in January. Let me see if they're still calling that crap because they call it for the first two weeks of the season. And then they go back to what they've been doing since day one.
0: Well, uh, it's, it's coming up because it's going to be one of the points of em- traveling is going to be one of the points of emphasis.
1: Sure it is. I'm sure it is. And I'm sure we'll see plenty of traveling calls first two weeks of the season. And after that, what's funny about this is it's clear that not the, that it's not just your, your fans, your consumers and, and the people, you know, all play the game are consuming the, uh, summer, uh, Workout video content because I'm sure the guys at the NBA office are sitting there watching Harden like one legged double hop and step. But no, 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 no. You're pushing it too far. So th- th- I think they're going to try and get out in front of this. Um, and the the first time they call Harden for a carry or CJ, they're um, going to see people like, thank you, God. Uh, CJ is definitely high on that list of guys who are likely to get caught. Cause his hesitation, he turns that, that hand pretty far under that ball.
0: So can you, can you say that more specifically, like from the beginning of like his possession and like oh, yeah. talking about where the infraction would occur?
1: Okay. So CJ has a couple different moves where uh palming would be the, the light version of calling it, but then what he calls it in the NBA. Um, technically a carries is how Chris Paul dribbles. Like legitimately, he picks the ball up and puts it down. Like His hand goes all the way underneath the ball and pauses the motion. He picks it up and puts it back down. Westbrook is also notorious for this. Um, but CJ, I mean, he, let's say he gets a pass on the right wing. He hasn't put the ball down. He's in triple threat. Jabs with the right foot, puts the ball down with his right hand out in front. He'll do that just to kind of get a guy leaning and rocking. And then he'll bring it back close to his leg, kind of do a little in-and-out dribble, and then when he sets that crossover up, just think of that picture of him and uh, what was his, his teammate in high school, the big, uh, Costa Coupas. Costa Coupas. Yeah, where CJ looks like he's like four feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and how high up he has that crossover and how how much his hand is over the ball. He'll do that, and then he'll bring his right hand all the way underneath the ball and bring it back with a little bit of a a crossover hesitation move that I – To this day, surprise only gets called like five times a year because he stops and it's what freezes guys so hard. Um, Technically, that should be considered a gather and he shouldn't be allowed to put the ball back down. But the flip side of this is um, since he's now in the gather, if he's going up with a shot, it's free throws now. That's the other implication that we're talking about with this. We're talking about the traveling calls. But if you're talking about when a gather actually occurs now – uh, when you're talking about gathering and going up for a shot, that's what's supposed to trigger. Has a player gathered and gone into a shooting motion? Well, now if you're establishing where a, a true starting point of where the gather is, then now you're opening things up for the free throw side of things.
0: So when CJ's going to the hoop and he has the ball in two hands and he shoves it out to the side before he takes it back in, it always looks to me like he's doing that as a way to entice people into fouling him or showing the ref, I have the ball, and if anybody touches me, they're fouling me. Like, what is he doing with that move?
1: It, it, it's just to get guys to, to reach a little bit, to stick their hand in the cookie jar, make you look stupid, because he also he has what looks like a gather. And it, it should be considered traveling, palming, carry, whatever you want to call it. But it's something the best players, the best shot creators in the NBA do. And they bring that right hand or the left hand, in, depending on what hand they are. They bring that hand in to, and, they, and they, let's say the ball's in the right hand. They bring it in with their hand basically on the side of the ball, which you're – not supposed to be able to do that should be consistent that that is consistent with what a gap a, a gather would be Are or you talking should about be the move
0: where it looks like you're playing football now and you've tucked the ball no no not quite tuck it he brings that right hand in it looks like
1: he's about ready to put his left hand on the ball and go up for the shot it's a it's a fake shot gather and what guys will do is they'll bring it in and then it put it straight back down and almost if you know, if you're familiar with, with uh, Sham God, it's almost a Sham God dribble where you're pu- it's the ball's almost on the right-hand side. Uh, excuse me, in your right hand on the left-hand side of your body, and you pull it back down. And you're trying to get somebody either to put their hand up because they're going to contest the shot they think is coming or stick their hand in and get down out of position. And that's what allows you to kind of shake a guy and get him off balance and get to your spots. And CJ has probably one of the best fake gathers in the league. And so it's going to be interesting to see where a uh, where the NBA is going to kind of put a draw a line on where this actually starts and stops and who's the most guilty of it.
0: Is this something that Damien has in his bag? He doesn't. He seems like a straight up and down.
1: He he you know. does have he he has a a, a fake gadgets. When you kind of see him, his isn't quite as pronounced with his hands. His is he does more of a shoulder fake with his. Mm-hmm. So when you see him kind of get wide with his body, like a wider dribble, like an almost like a, a, a hard crossover stance. And then he brings it back in tight and does that little head fake where it looks like he's looking up towards the rim real quick. That's usually where he's getting into his gather step, but it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different type than CJ. CJ's is is set up to make you think he is a hundred percent shooting. Like he gets his feet up underneath him. He's, he's a little bit more compact, uh, what a lot of guys do that, they're kind of out in front over their toes. When CJ does it, it looks like he's getting ready to sit down in his jumper. Dame is, is – because he's got that quick release, he pulls it in just that little bit and it's more of a shoulder fake, head fake than it is about getting hands somewhere.
0: Now I want to go back and watch a bunch of – um unassisted shots (laughs) from both of those guys. I was doing that with, uh, I've been watching a lot of highlight or just, you know, going to stats.nba.com and you watch like one type of play over and over again. Mm -hmm. So I was doing that. And the other day I was doing that when I was watching, a bunch of cj highlights it was actually from the game against um minnesota last year where he just had guys falling down right and left just cooking them yeah yeah <laughs> and anyway i was listening to it while I, w- or I was watching it while i was listening to lionel richie and i was struck by like Oh my god, this is the best combination. So I recommend that to anybody <laughs> when you're watching CJ McCollum highlights to put on some Lionel Richie because CJ's so smooth, and it's just it's like they're meant to be. So I'm gonna go do some more of that later. But the part of the reason I was listening to Lionel Richie is because uh, Cassidy and I, for the Women's Hoops and Talks podcast, are putting together our 2020 season playlist. And we've got some of our own songs chosen on there, but we're also asking other people what they would put on mm. um, as the, you know, song for the season. So what would you add to the Trailblazers 2020 season playlist? Um,
1: oh, God, that's that's tough. Um, I like a lot of metal. I like a lot of hip hop. So and I like some some things in between. Oh,
0: uh, feels right for the Trailblazers for this year? For what this what this year is going to be? You know, I, you know who's never never steered me wrong?
1: Phil Collins. Oh. Phil Collins will never steer you wrong. Oh. I was going to go some in the air tonight. No, no.
0: Wow. <laughs> no. That is, that is a whole different direction. I was
1: going to go metal. I was going to go metal, but I I was like, I was scrolling through my, my Spotify playlist and I was like, huh, that's, that's not bad.
0: Can you expound on that a little bit?
1: I I like Phil Collins. Okay.
0: But like, (laughs) Uh, how does that relate to the trailblazers? I mean, if you're talking
1: about, you know, you can feel it coming in the air tonight. I mean, it's just, that's,
0: Okay. Was, just like your pretty... anticipation for the season.
1: Yeah, it's just I think every night's going to be entertaining, whether it's good or bad or otherwise. What what's one of the things that I've kind of complained about over the last couple of years, Tara, with with coming bringing the same team back every year?
0: One of the things that you've complained about.
1: <laughs> one of the things, Tara. One.
0: <laughs> Let's see. One of the things. Well, that they didn't have an identity. They're boring.
1: They were a boring, boring team as far as the – not the meat and and, and potatoes of the team. I I love Dame. I love CJ. I love Nurkic. But there's like things that just like caught you off uh, uh, completely by surprise. Evan Turner was was the spice of that life, right? I mean Evan Turner in the elevator when it broke down was pure bliss. Like that is – that was one of the most hilarious moments I have ever seen captured – From a professional team. It was fantastic. Now they got Whiteside. Now they've got Hazonia. Now they've they've got some guys who there's going to be some weird. And I I just, this team needs a little bit of wild. They need a little bit of weird, especially with Nurkic down, because Nurk does bring a little bit of that, right? I mean, when when you show up to a game with your girlfriend, fiance, wife, I can't remember which one she is, uh, on your t shirt and a, a giant face, like that's just.
0: I liked the Bricks
1: T-shirt. Yeah, the, the Bricks <laughs> one Westbrook. for for Westbrook. Yeah, I mean those like those kind of things. Like that's just that's awesome. Uh, and, and that I think they need that little bit of weird, a little bit of of, of spice. And um, so I, I think that this season, every night's going to be the, the basketballs. I think is going to be good. I think there's going to be some fun. I mean, you got a guy in his zone who stepped over LeBron. You, you know, Whiteside finds over,
0: out. Didn't you step over Giannis? And he blocked LeBron.
1: Regardless, the, the, the guy's got some swagger. He's got some yes. fun to it. Hassan Whiteside posted a video the second he gets straight of him sprinting around the locker room yelling, we got shooters, and the next time we see him, he's out on freaking NATO handing out donuts at 10 o'clock at night in downtown Portland. Like, it's, it's going to be – there's going to be some things in the air tonight. Let's, let's just put it that way. Season.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, I will add that to the playlist. And uh, I'll put the playlist on here so people who are listening can go check that out if they want to and give us ideas about what they would want to add to it. So I think that about does it for uh, topics that I brought tonight. Anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, we do have uh, Media Day
1: and Fan Fest coming up. So uh, if you want an opportunity to get out and see these guys, and I would really uh, suggest that you do if you haven't had a chance to do a Fan Fest in a, uh, before or in a while, get out there and do that. This the the players are I don't think are going to be like in a, in a setting like that where they're in a better mood, and mm-hmm. I've I've never had an opportunity where I've gone to those as either a fan or media and been disappointed. Have you?
0: No, it's going to be fun too because everyone's going to just be wanting to like go and greet all of the players, and mm-hmm. you know we've had a cu- a couple of you know already. Hazonia is just like he's just over the moon about being here, and the rain he and left
1: everything. New York. I <laughs> mean, like, wouldn't you be thrilled? Like, everybody talks about New York being this great city. I'm like, ah, I don't know, man. If you tried playing for the Knicks, that'd probably make things pretty awful. So, yeah,
0: but what have we been talking about with like these, you know, major media markets, and you know, trying to get players to not move to the, you know, the, to the main spots mm-hmm. on the different coasts? And here we have guys who are actually finding out that there's a lot of good things about coming to playing playing with this team. So. I love it and i um, looking forward to it. And I just think that FanFest will be fun because there's, they're probably going to be just overwhelmed by how many people are going up to him and like still welcoming him to town and welcoming him to the And we get and- rookie dances. Mm-hmm. Let's
1: not forget we get rookie dances.
0: Yeah, but we only have one rookie this year. So he's going to have to be out there on his own.
1: <laughs> Which, I mean, no, <laughs> nobody will ever, ever surpass Luke Babbitt. Luke Babbitt <laughs> is in rookie dance hall of fame okay <laughs> um, but uh Nasir needs to be uh needs to be put through that gauntlet and uh just kind of you know hopefully they play some Phil Collins for him okay oh
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you can find me at TCBBigs on Twitter. You can uh, follow Blazer's Edge at Blazer's Edge. You can subscribe to the podcast at the Blazer's Edge podcast feed. You'll get two podcasts a week. You'll get the weekly podcast. You'll also get women's hoops and talks. Let's see. I think that about covers it for me, Dan. Why don't you take us out of here?
1: All right, folks, uh, you can find me on social media at DMarang, at D-M-A-R-A-N-G, also on Blazers Outsiders on Thursday nights leading into the season, where we will have your game day coverage. That's right. Uh, we are back next season. Uh, we will have some cool stuff to look forward to. Uh Pay attention to my social media feed over the next 24 hours. I hope to announce a very special guest that we may or may not have discussed on the show. Who will be on Thursday night at 630 with Joe and I. Uh, other than that, thanks for listening. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, whatever they are, you can find Tara or I on any social media or Tara. They can email what?
0: email oh my gosh you've thrown me completely for a oh
1: loop. no you, you you're killing me here you're killing <laughs> me here. you know why I threw it to you because I totally blanked on what the email is that we use
0: that, <laughs> Hedge like, podcast at gmail.com hey
1: there you go
0: very clever <laughs> 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 alright Dan we'll like, talk to you later Bye. bye